your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Do it to it, brother. Welcome to the Lutheran Stuff No Drama, No Drama Podcast. My name is Pastor Hoffman, and with me is Zach Lesher. Say hello, Zach. Hey, everybody. So here we are back again, and I'll tell you, Zach has already proven that he's a, he's a serious manly man, but also we find out that he's not only had a tooth pulled, but he went in for other stuff on that, so he's doing this hurt. He's playing hurt today, so uh, we'll, uh, that'll be, uh, we'll, we'll get into more of that later. But today, we have uh, something that we're going to do. We've been doing a lot of Pauline stuff, our first two series on podcasts being uh, Romans, and then the next being Galatians. I hope you'll look into them at uh, nodramalutherans.org. And, um, but today we're going to start in with, uh, with one that's known as a Catholic or universal epistle. We're going to be talking about 1 John. And as we get into that, I want to go over some of the basics of it because, uh, um, as you know, we use the Lutheran Study Bible and their outline, so it's easy for you to follow at home. I mean, that's what Bush Leaguers do. We help keep you in the scriptures in a way that is not overly complicated and not too simplistic and things where you can uh, help to find the, the answers using good confessional resources. So here we have uh, 1 John. Uh, the author of it is said to be uh, St. John, the, the Apostle and Evangelist, and also known as the Elder. This is uh, written between the uh, 85 and 95 AD. And the places where they're going to talk about are just various churches, and it's guessed to be that it was in Asia Minor. So, uh, and the people we're going to talk about is John, the Brethren, uh, the children, uh, the fathers, the young men. We're going to hear about Antichrist, false teachers, various spirits. And we'll get into being spiritual later. The uh, elect lady, her children, and her elect sister. Deceivers, Gaius, brothers who are strangers and Gentiles. Diotrephes and uh, Demetrius and friends. So you're going to see we're going to be touching on a few people here. We're going to get to know them. This is a short book, but... It's got a lot of interesting stuff, but it's listed as the purpose is to establish and encourage the faith of John's contemporaries in the wake of rising controversy because some had left Christian congregations or had troubled them. So we're going to see some problems in the church and how St. John deals with them. The law themes are going to be sin, walking in darkness or light, God's commands, hatred, death, deceit, antichrists, love one another, lawlessness, deceivers, wicked works, imitate God and not evil. And the gospel themes, of course, will be Christ, the atoning sacrifice, our advocate, uh, eternal life, and God perfecting his love in us via sanctification. We're going to hear the, the light and we're going to being born of God. Uh, truth, fellowship, reward, abiding in Christ's teaching, Christ has come in the flesh. So you're going to see 
this this thing is a very short book and and of course zach and i will find a way to make this podcast way too long but it's gonna be uh it's gonna be some pretty interesting things so for today as we get ready to to get into it you're gonna see uh we'll we're going to there we go we're going to be reading in the first chapter and it's very short so we're gonna get into chapter two today but we're gonna just take it one chapter at a time and so we'll begin here. I'll read chapter one. The word of life. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Awesome. I know. So uh, I, 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 right off the bat, you say, hey, isn't that divine service setting one and two? <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like our liturgy is biblical. Well, and I, I want to lay out a couple things about John. So we, we've been on, on Paul, so people understand Paul, and or they should understand Paul by now, but when Paul talks about flesh, he's talking about more the sinful nature in most of his context. When John talks about flesh, he's talking about the body, the physical body. Mm -hmm. uh, also, John tends to write stickle writes more linear. So a lot of people when trying to understand John don't understand necessarily the writing style that is cyclical writing because it's it's really not a Western uh, train of thought. Nor right. nor has it been around I don't know when's the, what when was it popular and where last, you know what I mean? Right. Oh, absolutely. And uh, Paul has the benefit of having both a Semitic uh, teaching as well as having the Greek teaching. So his education was different than John's. So you, you, you can't compare them in the same way of their terminology. This also keeps you from uh, getting involved in a lot of sort of Gnostic and uh, Aristotelian heresies, if you're not reading them correctly, 
you fall into uh, really, really bad teaching. And that, that was going to be my third point, is John's main confrontation in this epistle and his other epistles is against the Gnostics. Well, it seems like Paul fights a lot of Judaizers, but, uh, I mean, Paul, Paul, I guess everybody wants to pick a fight with Paul, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know why? Because he's the toughest kid on the playground. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, well, we know he's not the biggest, and we know that his speech isn't that great. But man, he's bold, and he'll he'll get right back up. So that's that's one you don't want to mess with, right? Yeah, but, uh, he's a theological. He swings for the fences. We don't. Man. <laughs> for those listening, we don't ever want to pit uh, John against Paul. They don't have a different message. And what's cool with this is we get to see that the Holy Spirit has given these men uh, some freedom in far as their writing styles and whatnot. Now, the Holy Spirit obviously has given them what to put down, but within that, we can see their own kind of personalities in the writings. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense? Well, it not only makes sense... It's, the, it's a distinguishing factor between Christians, our holy book, versus these cults because they tend to be kind of written by one person and uh, rather than multiple authors that all are proclaiming the same message throughout time. And so that you make a very good point that God doesn't... Uh, doesn't speak everything himself rather he has those who have his spirit that trust and believe him and speak for him just like when Pontius Pilate says are you the king of the Jews it is as you said <laughs> <laughs> you, you, right. you, you said it man you yeah said so. <laughs> I, I imagine uh you know the the thug life glasses going over on uh on Jesus doot 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 <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then the crowd is turned down for what, right? <laughs> right. So <laughs> it's great because here, when the crowd is is called on to choose Jesus, they set free the one who uh, the one who is rightfully there. So we're, well, we'll get into more of that. But John here, John here does us quite a big favor. Um, first of all, it's important his usage of phos, of light. Um, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. John loves to bring us back to creation. He loves to, to proclaim the eternal God. And when the presence of God working in the emptiness is first and foremost, to get rid of the darkness. In his presence, there is no darkness. No darkness can stand. So he is referred to as, as God is light and there is no darkness. And if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. This is a point that I, I thought would be great to, to mention on this. You have a lot of people who claim to be following uh the true God and they are walking in total darkness in a lie and John just comes out right now and says 
Hey, if you're if you say you have fellowship with him and you walk in darkness, well, we lie and do not practice the truth. In other words, um, and this isn't to say, uh, and he'll get into there to say that this doesn't mean are you a sinner who walks with him? Yes, I am a sinner. I'm a redeemed sinner who walks with him. But to walk in darkness is to walk in the ways that are contrary to the confession of who God really is. So it's deep stuff and it's really important. Excellent. Yes, excellent. And and one more thing that that just uh, hit something else I wanted to say with John. I guess we'll just get all the rules at the beginning, right? Uh, when John says sinner, he's not talking in the same sense as, as Paul would be per se. Mm. Uh, when John says sinner, he's talking more about uh, unbelievers, yeah. not not believers. So people need to be careful of the context, you know, when reading the text, uh, because how many times have we seen Christians read John and go, "Oh no, I'm going to hell." Right? <laughs> uh, and well, yeah. the fact that they say that is the sure sign that they're they're not going to hell because the person going the hell doesn't doesn't care they read john like whatever man right well <laughs> in, in this so, in this passage here though he'll uh he'll 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 differentiate it because he will talk about confessing our sins but then he'll also say being a sinner meaning uh like a a tax collector you know but um he, he even he even tells the christians because a non-christian is never going to confess their sins but um so there's he plays on it in a couple different ways here, which is kind of, which is kind of interesting. Um, I I sort of skipped ahead because I got excited about the liturgy. Okay, I admit it. Um, it happens. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it happens to every bush leader out there. So. I oh absolutely because he says that which was born from the beginning, um, I mean which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. Uh, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which uh, was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Okay, first of all, John does something very important, and the church has been blessed by his clear proclamation, always to referring to Jesus as being there since the beginning. Meaning he wasn't the heresy claimed by um, these churches that say, you know, he was born and came into being at the nativity. But for John is referring to Jesus as being eternal. And it's really important that we remember that we don't, we don't worship three gods. We have one God and three persons and they're co-equal, co-eternal. And John is here now talking about the the co-equality and the co-eternalness of Jesus. So again, we don't we don't become a, a subordinationist. <laughs> That's the word I was looking for. Yes, and if everybody recalls the first text of Genesis, it says, "In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth." And John is playing on that theme. Yeah. And Luther comments there when God says, "Let there be light." Luther's comment is the father begat the son. Now this is not a create a creation of the father, but a beginning. And to, to describe the word begotten, a human begets a human, 
God would beget God. A dog begets. Yeah. Um, and that's not my commentary. That's not in scripture. But uh, I just thought I'd throw in Luther's commentary on that. I've, I've been um, meditating on that one for about four or five years now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if I uh, agree or not yet. I'm still working through Luther's comment there on Genesis 1. But. Well, it's him dealing with the creed saying eternally begotten of the Father. And so, um, you know, because he, he would do things. He would try to say, well, let me, let me try to, let me explain and then, then bush leaguers like myself are going what, and um, and so uh, when when he's he's explaining, he's trying to also show the uh, um, the eternalness of Jesus and the um, the begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, Light of Light. You know, because Luther was very much informed on the Nicene Creed. Uh, when he wrote his commentaries. It was one of the things that, you know, we were regularly confessing. So he would be saying, yeah, this, this only shows that our, our, our church fathers were, you know, according to the scriptures, as it says in the creed, yeah, this, this, this refers to that. And, and again, John is saying, uh, that, what would, that which we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest. Now, the, the important part here is the word of life, and he does this again in his in his gospel account. Now, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Yeah. And the word was with God. Right. Um, this this is I mean John is plainly telling us these words are not only Christ. You know, all the words of Scripture are Jesus. Yeah. He is the Word become flesh. Every word. Well, and that's also uh, confirmed uh, in his confession of, you search the Scriptures because you think in them you have life and you don't know that they bear witness to me. Well, th the Word that's, uh, that's, that's spoken into creation, well that word that be, was made flesh, well, obviously that's Jesus. So again, when people try to uh, think that the Council of Nicaea or whatever <laughs> created Jesus, I'm like, oh my goodness, this book was written 150 years before that. <laughs> More than 150 years before the Council of Nicaea. So it was just like, Wow. Um, you know why? Because Jesus, in all seriousness, totally offensive. You know, he, he doesn't leave any loopholes. Um, and especially if you're the unbelievers, his, his words are condemning. And it hurts. You know, your, your old Adam is being kicked around quite a bit by the one who destroys sin, death, and the devil. Well, and, and I love that you say that. Uh, I was talking with a friend earlier, another fellow confessional Lutheran, and I, I made the point to him. I said, I think, think every good theologian at some point in their life has believed a lie concerning Christianity. Mm -hmm. And from that is what has made them a good theologian. Yeah. So, like you're saying... Yeah, once once that happens, you know, you you're faced with either okay, 
I'm standing in contradiction to God's word. What am I going to do about this? Am I going to double down in pride, or am I going to repent and seek truth and humility? Well, it all depends in, you know, whether you have the Holy Spirit, because by your own reason or strength, you're going to go, I think I'm going to hang on to my, uh, I'm going to hang on to my, uh, my own old, old Adam ways and things like that, so. Well, and I, I'm talking about the regenerate here. Say, yeah. say we have a heterodox Christian, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're confronted, say, on baptism, and they realize, uh-oh, I stand in opposition with God's word. Do I repent and believe God's word of, of what baptism is and, you know, that, that it gives these these means of grace? Or do I double down and say no? You know? Yeah. So anyways, I think I thought that tied in well. Maybe not. But I'm Bush League. And uh, so <laughs> uh, I make no apologies for my Bush League-ness. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you sh- yeah, you shouldn't because um, it's it's who we are, and that's okay. Because I think most people are are uh, are are bush league, and so when you when you want to be the when you want to get up into the upper echelon, then you can we can we can worry about that there when we ascend into that greatness. <laughs> well, I, I think I think the very term. Bush League is is just like walking up and saying I'm sorry before we start talking, right? Sure. So it's, we're apologizing before we even open our mouths. Well, it's certainly to say, look, everything we're gonna tell you is true. None of it is gonna be candy coated. It's gonna not be using five dollar words. It's gonna be straightforward. Uh, I guess we could call it <laughs> blue collar. Uh, Blue collar Christianity because it is not it is regular average Joe, and that's really what the world needs right now. We're not living in an in a theological um, uh, uh, wealth. We are living in a place where in a world where people are hungering for the straightforward gospel, and uh, it's our job to bring it to them in a way that's clear and easy to understand. Beautifully said, and I love it. It, it. And it's tragic. It is a wasteland out there. So, um, you know, it's it's rare. I think the people that are listening, uh, you are blessed people because the Holy Spirit has called you to a greater understanding of His Word, and you've heeded that call, and and you're listening, you're learning, you're growing, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing from getting from from milk to meat. But I'm going to zip it now and let Pastor Hoffman continue on because we'll, we'll segue this all the way. We'll, we'll piggyback this all the way to hell. So. Okay, well, the reading I'm going to do, we'll, we can finish out Chapter 1. And then because Chapter 2, 1 through 6 segues so nicely, I'm going to read Chapter 2, 1 through 6. Then we can kind of talk a little bit more about um, verse 5 uh, all the way through 10. So... Chapter 2, uh, titled, Christ is our, Christ our Advocate, uh, St. John writes, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, 
and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Okay, so uh, like I said, the end of the end of one and the beginning of two are go hand in hand, and it and it and I love it because it's the one that that covers us in our liturgy. Uh, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you when we say God is light. Um, he's the one who who uh, scares away the darkness who gives us, you know, when we're, you, anytime you talk about darkness, you can't see, you don't know what's going on. Uh, everything is frightening. You click on the light and things get better. And if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we, we see here that being with him in the light is uh, an understanding of forgiveness. We walk with him in forgiveness. And, um, and he would, and this is, we know these people, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Um, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it's to say that, um, so oftentimes now in the world, uh, people don't ever want to say I did wrong. It's a, it's a, you can't, you can't. I won't admit it unless you catch me, and then I'm going to lawyer up until you force me to. It, you, yeah, it, and it's sad. And when people want to understand what walking in the light means, it means nothing more than what the Catechism teaches about baptism. It's a, to to daily be drowned and renewed in the image of Christ and, and, and drown the old man in repentance and uh, faith. Uh, it's word and sacrament. That's walking in the light. And as and as you said, um, walking in the light uh, consists of um, truth, admitting guilt. You know when we are wrong, and not self-justifying. I, I think you brought up an excellent point. We love as humans to self-justify. <laughs> well, it's not my fault because the woman you gave me. There's the first self-justification, right? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, this was um, this was quite a topic even today as I was teaching religion. Uh, I, this was in the third and fourth grade class because we talked a lot about um, how the forgiveness of sins is something that you you can't you don't forgive yourself. Um, you are forgiven, and so they understand this. I mean, we went through, we, we did our overview of the catechism today, and they were they were hitting it on all eight cylinders, man. I was so proud of them. They were doing so great. I just, I just love teaching uh, Christian theology in, in uh, this school. It's so outstanding. So we have, uh, here it is, in Walking in the Light, you're right. That is to say, uh, being in the place where God himself is present, because it doesn't say you drag the light with you, you walk with him, and he's the <laughs> one who's leading the way. A lot of people like to try and put God on a leash or something, but... Um, yes, 
Yes, this is not Star Wars. You can't just pull out your lightsaber. And <laughs> you control it and wield it. This is not how this works. The word and sacrament saber. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and it's true. And, and walking in the light means you're walking where God is walking. And until the resurrection, he knows where his word is purely preached and his sacraments are rightly uh, administered. There you know that's where he is. And so this is another important thing to say. This is our confession in Divine Service 1 and 2. And it also segues very well into, well, this is how we walk in the light is where, where his, his word is. And our liturgy is nothing other than the proclamation of God from the Bible in a coherent uh, way. Well, and John's not just trying to be cool. We're playing on light and darkness. Think about what light does. You know, when you have a spotlight on you, you're exposed. You mm -hmm. are totally vulnerable and exposed. You know what I'm saying? Versus a, a guy walking in, in, in the darkness in a black hoodie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, nobody knows what that guy's up to. But if, if you got a spotlight on you, man, you know what I mean? You're exposed. And that's what we are as Christians. We're exposed. We're exposed to the truth. We're exposed to our own sin. We're exposed to that confession. We're exposed that Christ is our Lord and our yeah. Father through the Holy Spirit. We're exposed to all that. So John's not just being cool by saying light. You know that he's saying you're exposed, man. Yeah. Well, that's a really important thing too, because even as we read in the scriptures, even in the in the last days when comes nobody's going to be able to hide no all of this darkness where people find their comfort zone in living in darkness well he's going to come in with this you know the six trillion uh candle watt power thing and turn on and any sin is going to be exposed and right now even confessing our sins is saying look i know my sins are exposed um it's confessing your sins isn't doing something it's being aware of what's already true it's not like god's you don't it's not like you're confessing to him and he's going what really so you know it, it is a confession of what's already very much true and and confessing your sins is saying i know this is wrong i have the holy spirit i need i need your comfort and your peace as as Jesus will do next Sunday when he when he goes to the uh, uh, disciples hiding in the upper room, and he's going to say, "Peace is with you. Peace be with you." And so, where his presence is, you notice there's peace. So, John is uh, John is pointing this out. The old the old it's usually attributed to Catholics. Confession is good for the soul. Well, that's a pretty good saying, Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It's good for the soul. And um, although we um, we have a little bit differing view on it, we certainly don't have a differing view on that statement being good for you. So, you know, if you're if if what sin should we confess as the catechism says, well, before God, we should plead guilty of all sins. But before the pastor, we should plead guilty of only those sins which are weighing on our hearts, meaning you go to your pastor and say, you know what, this has been really bothering me. I need to talk to you about it. And any pastor who knows what he's talking about is going to go, yeah, come on, let's go talk about it. 
and upon hearing this whatever it is is going to say i by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word announce the grace of god to you and in the stead and by the command of my lord jesus christ i forgive you your sins in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit so that is what we receive in confession and john knows it he knows that confession of sin means you're going to get answered with i forgive you oh and it, i love that uh it, it that never gets old um I have a little pencil mark. I thought it was a smudge on the side of my Bible, but it looks like uh, <laughs> at some point I, I took notes. So um, I, I think if I, I can give people an example of, of cyclical writing very simple, simply here uh, in the second break of chapter one, John says, if then, then if, then, then if, mm -hmm. if then, than if you see so that would be an example of this this break would when, when you break it down and really check the words the spirit at work in these words you know how john is writing uh-huh uh, but that that's an example so it, it looked like a smudge but i guess i did take some notes somewhere so uh definitely well, bush league notes he also you'll notice uh john quotes the Bible, he makes reference to several Bible passages um, in here, and he refers to Job. I see a Jeremiah reference here. I see a reference to Isaiah, you know, and, and as Christians, I think this is a lesson we all need to understand, that the, the very best and most faithful witnesses we make are ones that are uh, interpreted by Scripture. So when we're confessing something and we, we use several reference points from Scripture to say, well, this is why we say this, John is doing that here. He's, he's speaking from what he's been taught through the Scriptures. And so when, when, he, when he, you know, for example, quotes Isaiah 2.5 and, uh, Oh, house of Jacob, come let us walk in the light of the Lord, you know, um, then he's he's doing this referencing to who who he is and who we are and who god is and so for him to say and you make a good point he's not trying to be cool he's referencing something that's super cool the bible <laughs> so yeah we're, we're we're killing this point because we've been on paul and uh it's just cool to see a different writer with a yeah different um uh, so, let's see, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with him and one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, I, when John is speaking about the blood of Jesus, he's very sacramental, so he's not like this Baptist kind of writer here. Yeah. Uh, he's totally talking about the sacrament you know when it, when he talks about the crucifixion he talks about the blood and the water that's not i mean there's a there, there, there could, excuse me there could be a <laughs> medical phenomenon made you know for blood and water but john is straight up telling you yeah this happened but that blood and water you know these are the means of grace pouring forth from the word oh absolutely again it's going to be the gifts of God 
John hammers on it so much, not drawing that conclusion is, is I think, purposely uh, taking a, an improper low um, view of the words in the scriptures. So, very, John is very sacramental. It's probably because he's the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if we... Okay, Christian and Lutherans, you should all know this. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in this. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I just want to stop there. Yeah. A comfort in that text, right? Absolutely. The confession... It being good for the soul, it's to say that uh, not confessing our sins is purposefully picking up a giant boulder and walking around all day and going, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> and Jesus is like, you know, because, you know, he does lift. So, <laughs> lift. Oh, of course he lifts. You know, but thy strong word be speaks of deadlifts. Oh, yeah. I mean? so, yeah. Well, um, even thy strong word did cleave the darkness. When you talk about the word cleave, I mean, imagine that. I, I imagine this this sharp, sharp knife just laying waste to all the bad things and all the evil things and, and the word of God just piercing it and, um, and laying waste to it. And, you know, Franzman, I'm forever, I'm forever in his debt for writing that hymn. Well, and it, yeah, that's my favorite, by the way. And it, it's like transfiguration. Anything that tries to get close, just boom. You know, you can't even see, right? It's just, yeah, we, we, we serve a, a phenomenal Lord here. But um, I, I want to point out in this text, you know, if, if you are burdened by a sin in your day-to-day -day life, say you're having a bad day at work and, you know, it's leading you to, covet or you know be a little idolatrous or whatnot just confess in prayer and, and be comforted by it absolutely um i would also say and i'm not just saying this because it's my vocation but because many many people i know on a weekly basis take advantage of this opportunity is go to your pastor um, your pastor is somebody who is supposed to also be prepared to give you the good stuff, you know, and, uh, it's not too Catholic. We're not going to give Catholics every cool thing in the world. Um, yes, Catholics are very good about saying, you know, about saying, you know, you need to go to confession. Lutherans, I think, could be a little better. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, but, I mean, afterwards they give the penance, where Lutherans give the gospel, man. So, Well, like, that's true. And, Again, know, that's, like I said, we disagree on some of those things, but both Catholics and Lutherans are going to agree going to confession is a good thing. I'm totally going to back you on this as a, as a Lutheran who does do private confession and absolution often. Yeah. You, you do not get better forgiveness than that. Yeah. It's the conscience a... never feels lighter than when you walk out of confession and absolution, private confession and absolution. 
corporate, I mean, we're, I'm not saying corporate is any different, but, I mean, when you can just lay waste to all the sins that are burdening your conscience and confess them and, again, let the light shine on them, mm-hmm. and be exposed and absolved like that, just walk away, it's like, it's like walking up to a cop and be like, dude, I just shot three people, robbed a liquor store, huh. I forgive you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, what? Aren't you going to arrest me? Well, certainly. Uh, we'll get into temporal punishment later. but. Um, well, don't do that. Don't take that literally. It's yeah, that's, that's not. <laughs> that, disclaimer. Disclaimer. We do not endorse this. <laughs> we do not endorse shooting and burning and, and looting and rioting. No. But I love this when John starts in chapter 2. Uh, my little children. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. In other words, he's being very pedagogical. He is, he's saying, look, here's the purpose for this book. Here's what I'm doing. It's so that you don't fall into this horrible trap. But, so that he isn't just coming off as all pious. But if anyone does sin, uh, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And um, so when we see that, he, um, and I love this. We'll get into the next sentence in a minute. Um, he says, we are called, I mean, let's be honest. We're called to live a sinless life. And John is saying it. He's just coming out. But he says, if you do, um, we have an advocate. So if you sin, the advocate is the one who speaks on your behalf. And so this is who you're going to be talking to. And, and um, Jesus Christ is the, um, the propitiation now. Propitiation, I looked it up. Um, I never really looked it up until I went to seminary because in Latin, I, just, I studied Latin and everything. And, and the propitiation is a special type of um, debtor. It's a debtor who is angry that you owe him. He's a... Uh, He's like the Jesus, uh, Jesus talks about the the about the debtor, um, who the unfaithful debtor who that his master released him from his bond, and when somebody owed him a tiny bit of money, um, they they couldn't pay him, and he was it was paying to him paying to him would be paying an angry debtor, and so propitiation. For our sins, uh, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. We now are... Con- well, let, let me stop you right there and just take a jab at the Reformed. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's just marvel on that for a second. So when, when they say that Jesus did die for not only ours, but uh. for the whole world. So this is what we call a universal atonement. Right. So, uh, I know we have some Lutherans listening, but Jesus died for everyone, and that means universal atonement. How that's applied is, is different through the means of grace, and that comes down to, so we call universal atonement objective justification, mm-hmm. and how it's applied is subjective justification, which I'm not fond of the words, knowing the terms objective and subjective, but that's that's Luther dogmas. I'm not gonna pick a bone. Well, but, it, uh, it's like everything else. When you when you have a word that you use, you better be ready to um, to flesh it out for people so that because you know 
I'll say it. You know, a lot of these, a lot of these really popular preachers, they go and they say a bunch of stuff without qualifying any of it. So basically, in people's own minds, wow, he was thinking the exact same thing I was because they were being vague enough to where you could almost make anything out of it. Well, as Lutherans, that triggers us. <laughs> so we're like. <laughs> let me let me explain what I mean by that so that we're not over here thinking the five different people with five different definitions by this I mean this not any other thing that you could make it out to mean I don't mean that I mean what I say so um and it's an important thing as theologians um we have to be clear and we have to be ready to give a, a a defense of it and uh, when we talk about this the hope that is in us well that's giving a defense for this um, I, Jesus isn't my savior because I feel it in my heart it's in my he's my savior because he declares it himself and we have a we have a witness to that in the Holy Scriptures so um, there's our there's the account so just want to be really careful and him paying for our sins uh, for the whole world, again, this shows that we're not some creepy little, creepy little Jewish cult. And, and uh, Jesus is for everybody. He is for um, he is for all races. He is for Muslims who need to repent of their of their false idea, ide um, idolatry and all religions that are false. He is for them, and. Um, and, the, and their repenting is the exact same repenting as an unbeliever. You know, it's the same thing. So when it says it's for the whole world, we don't say, well, you're fine because you're already established in a religion. And <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> and, and you know what, what you just said is something that we all need to remember. And Pastor Hoffman is not saying that everybody just goes to heaven. No. No, 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 no. What it, what he's saying is that that the the atonement of Christ covers the sins of everybody to come into penitent faith. Yeah. When called by the gospel, enlightened by the Holy Spirit. Now, some people are going to reject that. Yeah. This is what we call the crux theologorum. So. When people reject it, it is not God's fault. Well, God, this is what I love about the God that we serve, the God that is true, is that he doesn't force people. You know, he kind of forces you to into the whole faith thing, but that's a gift, right? Yeah. He doesn't force you to stay. He turns to the disciples in John 6 after the crowd leaves, saying this is a hard saying, and he turns to the disciples and he doesn't say... Now, you guys better stay or else. He says, do you want to go to? Yeah, John. Right? So, so at, yeah, after regeneration, the Lord is not forcing you. See, we do the works of the law from a clean conscience and by the Holy Spirit. This is how this works. It's not the law of compulsion that compels us. It's the, it's the Holy Spirit. God. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, just like you were, we were saying that, I just wanted to put that disclaimer out just because I don't want anyone to misconstrue what we're saying. If they hear us in Russia, they might be like, those those American Lutherans are, oh. are horrible. <laughs> the Lutheran Church of Siberia is very disappointed with us. <laughs> 
That's a real church. Well, we... Well, we did claim to be Bush League, so... Yeah, they're like, what is this Bush League? Yeah, what what is this Bush League? In Russia, podcasts listen to you. (laughs) Well, we have... um, As he comes around here, um, being the propitiation... And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Now, um, this is always people that want to say, turn keep into obey. And that's just not the same word. Um, When we talk about being the keepers of his commandments, it is something to say that this is indeed something that we hold dear and hold to be true. And, And so people that keep the Sabbath... Um, you know, these kind of things, they understand that this is a special day. You know, this is using a contemporary, I mean, of the time. But to say keeping his commandments is something that we entirely hold to be true. And, um, and whoever says, I know him, and we get this on Facebook a lot, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. They're like going, you know, Jesus never said anything about transgenders or whatever. And, um... It's just to say, you know, everything that you're saying right now is to say, this is what the scriptures teach. And you're trying to say, I'm a Christian who, you know, uh, is okay with all this stuff that is totally sinful. And so what what you're doing is you're, you're making yourself out to be a liar. And that's what John says. Those are not my words. Those are John's words. Well, and that's that's a good point. The, the, what I what I'll say uh, piggyback on that is, you know, this is why we have confirmation, uh, so the commandments can be taught because John plainly teaches. If you want to examine a Christian and you, and you don't know how, ask them. Ask them the ten commandments. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if they they don't keep God's law, they don't know it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we we have to have the law over us to scare us to the gospel it's just how we are as as humans is the law remains in its place to drive us into the freedom of christ because if if you take away the law the human heart will say cool man jesus loves me now i can go steal cars (laughs) you know Jesus, yeah, this is a good rule of thumb. Jesus shouldn't be pushing into the arms of lawlessness. <laughs> right. So we're going to establish that as a, as a well, it's been well established. Uh, way before me, me and Steve Bushley. But yes, that is why the law is, we don't say binding on the Christian as we, as we read in Romans, but functioning on the Christian. Yeah. And oh, definitely, and so when you're when you're saying like uh, again, the people that are like, well, I love Jesus, but I don't like organized religion. You know, they don't want to go to a place that says, "Hey, you know what we do when we start a worship service? We confess our sins corporately. We're here together." Um, and people that who say. Uh, who hear law and gospel because if you're just sitting at home reading your bible you're not sitting there saying i a poor miserable sinner you're at home going oh that's cool so devotionally read your bible 
But don't pretend to sell your tell yourself that I don't need to go to church because I sit at home and read my Bible. You should be reading your Bible anyway, and <laughs> go to church also. So that's that's the that's the whole difference there. Well, and that that's it. I mean, when it, he just started, my children, right? I'm writing these things to you, right? And and so. All throughout the New Testament, the author of Hebrews says, you're on milk, you should be teachers, but again, you need someone to teach you. The whole point of, of learning for us is that we grow up in faith into the fullness of Christ, of what he wants us to know. Well, so that we can withstand the attacks of the devil. I mean, that's what Peter says, right? Mm -hmm. uh, substitute virtue with, with I don't know, off little out of uh, Peter right now, but he may substitute this, and then this, and then this, and then he gives the answer at the end, so that you have strong faith, right? It's not, uh, there's no magic, uh, uh, you know, oh, I'm going to, you know, get get all the words of scripture, and then I'll be a, a, a level five wizard. No, it's so that you can have, have strong faith and withstand the, the schemes of the devil, so you know the game plan. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, I think John does a good job, I mean, of what you're saying. Um, in verse 4, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. But wait, let me kick forward here. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. For those, we only find perfection where we hold fast to his word, not whoever does all these super good works or whatever, but who keeps his word, who holds to that. Um, God is perfected in what he has done, meaning we see this in as being his word, being what is made perfect. The love of God is perfected only through his word. So there's that, there's this whole idea that, you know, somebody who clings to this is is uh is a benchmark in christianity well and i got sad news to any bush league fans pastor often and i have nothing new to offer you we are just an echo chamber <laughs> of the old and you know what that's uh, yeah so i don't and none of my favorite theologians uh ever leave the bush league in that area they're always going to say, you know what, what am I doing? I am, I am telling you what they said, maybe using, a, using a, you know, explaining it in my way, but, uh, or, but I, I'm just, I'm not coming up with anything new. I try not to say anything different, uh, because if you say something new, you're probably saying something different or wrong. So I, I try to confess it in the same spirit that it's written here. So you don't you don't ever see uh, Zach and I trying to go, well, I think what we should do is from now on, we should interpret it this way. I mean, you would expect a plug to be pulled on our podcast if we started yeah. to do that. Yeah. I, I would hope we would have somebody calling us to, to discipline if you, if you hear that. Uh, because... That, I mean, that's what the church is. It's an echo chamber. It's there just to repeat the same things, the same words of God for your benefit, the same absolution for your benefit. 
I don't know about anybody else out there, but I can tell you, as a human, as a frail man, and you just heard, you know, Big Zach say he's a frail man. I mean, <laughs> I am a frail man, right? When mm-hmm. it, in regards to spiritual matters, I do never get tired of taking body, taking drink, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Or by, in the stead and by the command, I never get he- tired of hearing that absolution from my pastor because I need it. Spiritually, I need it, right? So, yeah. If you get tired of it, it means you need it even more, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I would I would, I would, would back you on that 100%. So, uh, if, if that message ever talk to your pastor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because, uh, and I'm not talking to you, I'm talking. If I'm your pastor, yeah, talk to me, but... <laughs> or he's you can not, always call he, in. Yes, he's, he's the, if you go talk to Pastor Hoffman or your your personal pastor, I guarantee you, and if he does, let me know. I'll call him personally. Yeah. They're not going to chastise you. No. They're there to just give you grace and peace and comfort and, and everything, every good gift that God has given them to give to you. Right. And I'm not going to argue with somebody who says, Hey, Pastor Hoffman, I'm a sinner. You know, sometimes people chicken out and they go, Nah, you're okay. Well, no, when, when the law has convicted somebody, the, they confess some pretty hard truths that the old Adam doesn't like. And so then they come to me and say, I'm a sinner. I don't, I don't try to talk him out of it. <laughs> well, and you know what? We, I would say, too, we err on both sides of this because the worst thing we can do is when someone says, I am a sinner, when they do make the confession, we go, oh, the animal. You know what I mean? The animal. You rock. Oh, no. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the church has many, many mistakes, and we're, we all need to repent all the time of these things and realize don't shoot the wounded if they're like i'm a sinner i fell down we don't go now i'm gonna kick you how could you you know that's the time for grace that the, the spirits work the contrition uh and then the other side of that because that's how you get people to be like oh, oh no 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 it's not me right mm-hmm. uh and afraid to actually make the confessions so we encourage everybody see your pastor they're not going to beat you over the head. What they're going to do is make the sign of the cross on your forehead and give you absolution. Yeah, even if you tell us you're the one who keyed my car. <laughs> then you, might get, you might get the absolution. You might get a little punch in the jaw afterwards. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm joking, very disappointed. I'm <laughs> well, as we, as we Don't look... Don't forget, folks, there's... There is temporal consequences. Sure. So you you might be washing that car for the next 20 years. I don't know. It's up to uh, you and the pastor. (laughs) (laughs) And not to grain my forgiveness. No, no, no. (laughs) That comes freely. But um, and also and and to end this up here, because uh, he even says talking about God being perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Well, to say that uh, when you talk about the way that God walks, well, he's the one who leads the way. 
We don't take God by the nose ring and pull him around. We see that this is how he walks and this is where he is. This is where he's going. That has been determined. That is a good place for us to be. And because of the light, it doesn't. we don't become the light. We are, we are enjoying the light when we are walking with him. And when we, by our own strength and reason, uh, step away from the light, well, then we shouldn't be surprised to see massive amounts of self-inflicted darkness in our lives. Exactly. And so, Spot on. Um, we're next when we get back. Uh, the next, um, the next uh, um, section that we're going to get into will be chapter two, verse seven. But as I move over to the the group, Zach had posted a question about you know does anybody want to uh, and there's a there's a question here and I think Eric does a good job of asking how does a person handle despair? Now there is there's a quick answer to this and then there's a little bit of a long answer to this. Ultimately, I mean just to sum it up. This is not the answer. I mean, this is this is the answer. This is not the process here. But um, the answer in despair is Jesus. And so oftentimes when people find despair, it's for many reasons. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, a relationship failure. They feel like in their lives that they have failed in their job. They failed in their family. They've failed in their religious life. In all of these things, I think it's really should not be uh, left out is to say, you're right, Lord, I am in despair over and then name what it is. You know, it's to say that and I'm calling on you to bring me peace, not to say uh, I want you to magically pay my bills, but to say that in spite of of this trouble I'm in, I have hope and eternal comfort. So that with that hope and comfort, you have a, a prayer to to work on the temporal things. But when you when you're handling despair, there's a lot of times where um, there's legitimate medical conditions that you need to get help with. Um, d despair is you know sometimes despair is is also called depression sometimes it's called anxiety um, and all things um, they need to be brought in um, to a realization of it some people uh, you know they just never deal with it and they and so often people just live their lives in this despair and some of them even to the point of taking it taking their own life but so when you're when you're talking about despair don't be afraid to talk to somebody about it Talk to your pastor. Talk to somebody who uh, knows this about this in the field of, of human care and things like that. But always be ready to hear some good news from your pastor or other Christians when you're talking about despair. Absolutely. Uh, very well said. Always get uh, a help. And... Um, of this, this is something I've been, I've been kind of meditating on as far as the scriptures go. We all know the happy, bubbly guy, right? But people are shocked when they find out, you know, this guy's been suffering from severe depression for the last three years. Yeah. Uh, I'm convinced that, that everyone 
that everyone's cross seems unbearable. Uh, and, and I find instead of kind of talking about that stuff with one another, we try and hide it like we're strong. I think that does harm as, as we should be open and honest with one another about, um, you know, it's okay. Some people are introverted, but, you know, I was not happy about my and all that, and I was, I have been, I still am, you know, despairing. But I find in that despair, my comfort always goes back to this is only temporary. And I want to read Paul real quick in 2 Corinthians 1.8 because um, this is a, a spot where you're going to find Paul's own words talking about his despair. So he says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on God who raises the dead. Yeah. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and will deliver us. There's your promise, Christian, about despair. Paul, same thing. Same thing I just said with my situation. It makes me look at the temper, the, my frailty as a human and that this is just temporary. Okay? And, and, and Paul is saying the same thing. Actually, I'm probably saying it from Paul because... Paul's first, right? So, <laughs> right. In despair of life itself, but God still delivered him that he didn't put any hope in himself. Definitely, and thank you for saying that because I believe a lot of people really need to hear it. They need to hear that um, they may not be seeing it now, so they need to hear from a brother or sister in Christ that said, I want you to know that in spite of what you're going through, your life matters it's something that god has personally given you and it matters even when you're having a hard time seeing it he sends you those other people who um, have the gospel on their tongue to say look uh you're in you're in trouble and this is when we bear with bear one another's burdens and um and to hear it and to say look you're not alone man or, or you know you you have you have not only Christ you have the brothers and sisters that he's sent and given the Holy Spirit that are there to bear witness to say you know what the life you have is valuable even if your life right now is in shambles I think our problem is always the unbelief side of things with the old Adam we always want to say, but you don't understand my situation, right? So when, when someone does try and help, sometimes we're like, but you don't get it, you know? But yeah. I would argue, no, we, we every Christian is bearing a cross, right? Everyone. I love Peter's words when he says uh, that the, your, your, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Then he says, resist him standing firm in your faith 
knowing that your brothers are suffering the same persecution around yeah. the world. Right. So yeah. we all have a full plate of despair. But when, when your despair is at an all-time high and a brother's might be low, reach out to that brother. And you, the, I, I think we can give advice to the other one. Brother, don't be selfish. Remember your despair and your need. Yeah. To live as John, John just said, walk in the light. Help your brother. Aid your, aid your fellow brother in Christ and take care of him as Christ takes care of you. Yeah, that's that's outstanding, and it's it's such a wonderful thing to hear, because uh, again, I think in our society, I don't know if if more people are being aware of this, or it's or we're growing in numbers of people suffering with despair and anxiety, which means that in the face of this darkness, Christians are called to be the light to them. Bring them Christ. Don't bring them just your nice personality, but bring them the good news of Christ. Shine that light on them, and even though their old Adam will struggle with it, you just you're by by being uh, with them. That's just a good thing, and also finding helping them to get help, things like that. Yeah, um, man, Eric, you you done and went asked a really good question, and I appreciate you doing that. Uh, right now, our podcast is running out of time, so I'm really glad that we got this opportunity. It's good to be back. I'm glad that your uh, your dental woes seem to be coming to some sort of conclusion and we won't know time will tell and uh, i think it's okay to ask the audience to pray for you and your healing and and your returning to good health and um so um yeah so with that being said i think uh until next time when we continue on in in first john this has been pastor hoffman for zach lesher saying god bless your week